Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, friends, welcome to today's episode of Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. And today we're excited about getting to chop it up with our guest today, who first picked up the trumpet when he was only nine years old. And he has honed his craft by playing a wide array of musical styles, everything from swing to rock and roll to funk and and, and contemporary jazz. In 2016, he kind of landed in the contemporary jazz world with his release Yesterday Again, which he followed up with the critically acclaimed Walk the Walk release. Please welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz backstage, Rob Zinn. Thanks for coming on today, Rob. Hi, Carl. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, it's our pleasure to have you. Thank you for making the time. So having played so many different styles of music in your career, how did you decide that contemporary jazz or smooth jazz was a lane that you kind of wanted to to focus on? As I was growing up, like you mentioned, you know, um, you know, trumpet kind of led itself to big band and and um, swing type bands and then mm-hmm. big band jazz and all that. So I was you now I was a fan of Maynard Ferguson and Chuck Mangione. Yeah. And, you know, cats like that. And then um, I've always loved jazz, all elements of jazz, um, but it's not always easy to find 14 or 15 people to put a big band together. So um, Absolutely. I did rock and roll and funk and R&B and um, all these different things. But, you know, as I got a little bit older, I started really getting into, uh, you know, listening to like Rick Braun and Richard Elliott, mm-hmm. some of those cats back in the day and, uh, and many, many others, Rippingtons and the list goes on and on. So uh, I started thinking, it's like, hmm, can I do this? I mean, I really like this style of music, and I never really done it before, except maybe cocktail hour at some, you know, country club or something. Yeah. So I really, I used to play along to like Rick's records back in the day, and I thought, you know, I really enjoy this kind of music. And uh, he, you know, I've told Rick face to face that he's inspired me to, you know, to try and and go this route of, you know, of putting out music and you know trying yeah. to become a national artist. So uh, that's what I started doing. I, I'm not a music major, so uh, you know, okay. I started writing and. It was a challenge, but, you know, I, each day and each month and each year I get better. So um, I just love the style of music. It's so expressive. I mean, I love pure jazz, you know, Miles Davis, yeah. Lee Morgan, you know, Clifford Brown, Dizzy Gillespie, uh, Woody, Woody Shaw. I love all those cats, man. I love them. Yeah. But, you know, smooth jazz is different. You know, the expression as a jazz musician is still there, but it's a little bit, little bit more focused yeah a little bit more within the the realm of more more melodies and more melodic as opposed to crazy coltrane type stuff i really enjoy it and uh but all that type of music that i played growing up that manifests in my originals you mm-hmm. know there's a lot of cats out there who put out an album and everyone kind of knows exactly what they're going to get from you know a particular album that's really great I like to mix it up a lot. You're going to get a little bit of blue, a little bit of funk, yeah. a little bit of R&B, a little bit of pop, a little bit of soul. You never know what you're going to get with a Rob Zinn album. But I don't really want to just focus on one particular style of contemporary jazz. I like to bring all kinds in there. So I draw on that background of blues, funk, R&B, soul, and and even swing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Latin, all that stuff, you know, that represents on my album. So, yeah, that's definitely true. Playing listening to your music. I mean, one of the questions, one of the other questions I have for you is like, you know, your music is, is it does draw on so many different styles. So are there specific things that would, you would say inspire your music? That's a great question. Um, no, it's, it's, everyone's got a different writing process. And, um, to me, it's, it's about emotions and feeling. Mm-hmm. So um, there's no words, in, at least in my music, there's no words in, in, you know, in my songs. So how do you convey to a listener, whether they're just listening on their headphones, in their home, in their car, or at a live concert, how do you convey that emotion? How do you make them feel something yeah. without any words to trigger, to trigger an emotional response? So um, to me, it's about con- that connection with the person, you know, and whatever, however media they're listening, you know, listening to my song on trying to be expressive. You know, sometimes it's melancholy, sometimes it's happy, mm-hmm. sometimes it's upbeat, sometimes it's slow and, and all different styles of music. But you want them to feel something. It may not always be, a, you know, a pleasant experience. You know, it might draw on some emotion from yeah. them that, that might make them sad, but I want them to feel something. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a unique it's unique to every listener, but, um, you know, I, that inspires me. Like I want, you know, 
as you're recording music and writing music, you know, does it take them on a journey? You know, it can, it, that's, that's important to me. Um, so I try really hard to, you know, to not make my music so cookie cutter Yeah, and just trying to take the person on a listening journey as best I can, you know, with my flugelhorn and trumpet. Yeah, know? that's a great point. I mean, I, I think really good music, whether there's words or not, is it tells a story, you yeah. know? I think, I know for me, one of the things I love to do is I love to listen to music with my eyes closed and just see where my mind goes with it, you know? Oh, that's great. And it's pretty amazing to me how music, and particularly, it's particularly contemporary and smooth jazz, how they paint a picture in my mind, you know? And so that's, that's a cool, that's cool that that's your, that that's your, that's what you're chasing after is this thing, this, this feeling for people to have when they listen to your song. That's a really cool thing. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. I don't normally close my eyes when I listen to my music, but I'm in, I'm in the final mixing of this song I'm calling Amante. Uh And um, it's, it's a Latin flavor, um, heavy percussion. You have this great guitar player on it. You know, but I I will let it out of the box right now. And I literally just close my eyes and just the song really emotes. I worked really hard to make it sexy and and emotional. And the user feels something with all the percussion. It's a slow vibe. And I did, I was listening the other night because we're going through the final mixing process and I literally closed my eyes and was just letting the music kind of touch me, Uh you know, it sounds weird, but kind of all over, not just, you know, just my ears, but just like, what's going on with this song? What am I feeling at this moment? So I did, I closed my eyes. I don't normally do that, but that's a great point, Carl. I think uh, I should do that more often. Yeah, I know. It's something I do all the time. So, so you've played some of the big jazz festivals as a, as a, as a solo act and you've, you've played in support of other artists. How was the experience different when you're the front man versus supporting another artist? That's that's a great question, and uh, hopefully your audience uh, will, will will learn from this. It took me a while. My first, and when I did my my last album was um, I worked with Paul Brown, and everyone knows who Paul Brown is. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much with everyone, right? And has had has had a, um, quite honestly uh, a huge say in how the music has been moving forward since about the mid early to mid nineties. So Paul's put a big stamp on you know what is today contemporary jazz. Yeah. He's had a major influence. Paul's a great guy. I really got to know him well. He's very, um, he's very um, big heart. And when I started working with him, you know, I really got to know him on a real personal level, not just work wise. And Paul was gracious enough to kind of take me a little bit on the road with him. So over the past, huh. we're not going to count the last 12, 18 months because it was just a wash, but yeah. over the past years, I probably have done about seven or eight different hits with Paul as his sideman um, all over the country. Yeah. And he was, in, I, I really appreciated that because he was introducing me to the business and what it takes to kind of go on the road and put on a show and all the intricacies and, and, and also meeting, you know, some of the promoters and some of the venues. But what I took from this was um, even, even I was Paul's sideman and, and his shows, if you've never seen a Paul show, it really features trumpet sax a lot. Okay. So I was very much in the forefront, but I had to be, I had to learn and be very, very careful. Never, never to step out in front of Paul mm-hmm. on any level, you know, to wait for my cues, Paul be like, Hey man, come on out. Let's go out front. And we both go on the crowd. You know, it's his show. It's his music. Yeah. He's the man. And you never, you have to be careful as a side man, especially for someone so well known to never, um, never do anything uh that you'll regret later meaning just never you know uh never uh, i don't know what the right word just just got to be careful that your 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 role is as support him as as a feature artist as a headliner so uh, i learned how to do that um by being on the road with paul and all these different shows so that translated into okay now i see what a headliner does you know what do i do as a headliner so Mm -hmm. um I bring in um, full entourage of musicians and I have sax players with me, whether we're co-headlining like Tony and I are, or whether um, I just have a sax player who's going to uh, represent themselves on my music. So okay. um, it's really important. I don't really, I mean, the headliner is, is a lot of fun. It really allows me, I feel it, um, it's a huge responsibility for as a headliner to focus forward. And what I mean by that is, I've got my guys in back of me, the band, they're there to support me as a headliner. But my job is to always be focusing in what's in front of me and all the people connecting with the audience, 
connecting with them, not just musically, but visually looking, looking at their look, you know, connecting with them and locking eye to eye with them. That's kind of a yeah. lot of artists will shut their eyes, you know, kind of go into it. Someone told me, like, no, you got to keep your eyes open. You got to look at someone when you're playing, uh-huh. you create that moment for them and they get really excited. And, uh, you know, it might just, it's not weird. It's just a couple seconds. I always go out in the audience, like a lot of, you know, my contemporaries do. And, um, I, <laughs> I have to sing when I'm playing my notes and a couple of my songs, I'll stop. I'll play expression, then I'll stop for a second. And I will actually talk to that person. Uh-huh. It kind of freaks them out. Uh-huh. Like, Thank you for coming to the show. And then I'll move on to the next person that they don't expect that. You know, no, I they don't talk to three notes and, uh, no, they don't, uh, you know, and they're like, Oh, you know, I, you know, Rob talked to me or whatever. Uh, but, uh, I get a kick out of it, but more importantly, I mean, I am nothing without, you know, fans who enjoy my music, come to my shows. And that's, that goes the same for every single contemporary artist. So as a sideman, you're there to support that headliner, make sure that you're, you know, giving them exactly what they want when they want it. And as a headliner, it's making sure that you're giving the audience and all the people out front, you know, something that they came for um, yeah. visually, musically. So it, that that's a big difference to me. I enjoy both aspects of it, but I definitely see myself as a headliner and yeah. looking for that more and more. So, yeah, good for you. Exciting. Good for you. So what what would you say in your in your experiences working with people like Paul? What would you say is the most important thing that you've learned from all of those experiences? Paul is a consummate professional. I mean, I know him really well. So one time he was, um, and this is kind of public knowledge. He was actually really really sick, mm-hmm. and um, he, I went. It was at Berks, and um, he texted me right after he walked off stage. He's like, "Oh, I, I got to go to the emergency room and all that." Um, I don't know if you know this, but he was pretty sick a couple of years ago. It's not like a big secret or okay. anything, but I didn't even know he was sick. He's on stage performing as if there was no issue whatsoever. Yeah. So no matter what you're going through, whether it's you've just had an argument with your girlfriend or wife or your child, whether you've just had you know this horrendous travel day and you mm-hmm. just barely got to your gig, whether you don't feel well or whether, you know, whatever, whatever's going through your mind. Paul showed me that, and he was very sick at that moment. He showed me that he put that, he made that secondary and he's probably not the only guy that does that, you know, Uh um, and the show must go on. And he went out and I didn't even know he was sick. He he performed like he would always do. He had never let on to anyone that he was, you know, not feeling well. And so I thought that was, you know, what a lesson that was, you know, to, to to always deliver for your audience, whether there's 10 people there, a hundred people there, a thousand people there, whether you've had a bad day, but if you got stuff going on in your life, forget about it. When you hit that stage, yeah. it's 100% entertainment, period, you know, and deliver a show no matter what's going on. So I, I thought that was a valuable lesson that I learned from him. And um, just kind of always keep that in mind, no matter what's going on in my life. You know, I always make that secondary at that moment and make sure I, I bring it 100 percent every single time, no matter what's going on. That's really a great point. I mean, I you know, the, the you said the the show must go on, you know, and uh, but I think that's a sign of being a consummate pro, too. Right. You know, like oh, sure. the, the, the great pros, whether they're musicians or athletes or business people, they have this ability to compartmentalize things when they have to be on right and just go forward and so that's a really important thing hard not easy to do because everybody can't do that but an important thing to do when you're a professional yes absolutely um but you know my my uh my happy place is on stage you know we yeah you know you you interview a lot of artists and and you probably know personally and maybe your listening audience too there's a lot of work that goes into that all those moments right before you take the stage. There's no doubt. There's a ton of stuff, you know, and I thought when I first got into, you know, being, you know, becoming a headliner, I had no idea some of the questions that needed to be answered. Mm-hmm. It's hugely visual. I, I used to go, Oh gosh, am I a good enough musician? Is my music good enough? And all that. What I learned over the years is those things are somewhat secondary, meaning that people want to be entertained and they're yes. entertained, not just with their ears, but with their eyes. Yes. So I make sure that I try to look as good as possible. I try to wear nice clothes. Mm-hmm. I try to have even really cool looking instruments. I get every show I ever do. People come and goes, that's a really cool trumpet or that's a really cool flugelhorn. What is that? It catches their attention. You know, they're intrigued by that this funky looking horn. Every aspect of a show is is interpreted differently by people. It's very visual. It's uh, obviously it's auditory. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, you know you got to smile. You got to connect with people. You got to look at people. You got to talk to people. You got to be in their presence. You got to make them feel like they're they're you know they're the most important 
thing and they truly are um yeah. at that moment so um it's a lot of fun and um yeah i hope that i'm doing a good job at that but i tell you that's just so much fun it, it does come natural to me but i you know i always go back and look at my shows and 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 kind of do what i call like a 360 and go what can i improve on mm -hmm. and also what did i do well and remember to do that it could be musically it, it could be things you know that i said you know don't do don't say that or make sure you bring that out and it's um it's a constant process um you know 360 um yeah like i said so improving you know your craft and um and, and trying to you know ultimately trying to deliver like a top-notch show you know every single time i step on stage no matter what role i'm in is very very important to me that's you know that's something that i hear from other artists because i think that um you're you're really you're making a really good point is that you know you guys are when people come and and pay their hard-earned money to see you perform mm -hmm. like there's an expectation that they have and the artists that are chasing greatness they think about all of those details they think about what they're wearing, they're practicing up until the last minute. They're, you know, they're trying to be the best that they possibly can be because they understand that people want more than just a show. They want an experience, right? Oh, yeah. And I think those yeah. are the artists that give the experience. The, the artists, artists that can give the experience are the artists that people want to go back and see over and over and over again because it is, it is that experience. You walk away from that concert thinking, oh, that was something that I'm going to remember. I'm going to there's something etched in your mind or in your heart about that night, you know, which is why you want to keep going back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, early on, I used to think like I wanted people to be dazzled by my horn playing. And I, mm -hmm. I quickly learned, I mean, really quickly learned in just a couple of months that it wasn't about that. It was what you said, that experience and entertaining, you know, it's, it's entertaining is so much more than the notes I play on my trumpet. And when I play with the high notes or the low notes or any of that stuff, I quickly learned um, that that was, kind of a smaller part of the show yeah it's all that other stuff so you know i have been working hard on that people who know me really well know that i prep intensely for shows weeks in advance mm -hmm. over and over um i have some things coming up with other artists which i don't want to let them out right now because okay. I, I can't i can't i can't say because the promoters will want to say that but i make sure believe me i don't want to let those people down you know i'm going to be special guest on one of their shows are going to bring me out uh -huh. and there's no way that i want to let the artist down yeah nor the audience nor the promoter down so i prep a lot a lot yeah. a lot a lot and i think i might drive some people crazy but that's just who i am you know that pursuit of and i won't even call it perfection yeah it's that pursuit of comfort yeah. um yeah knowing what i can do and just you know working through some things and just making sure that i'm i'm prepared you know um as especially as a guest of another headlining artist you know i'll come out and do some things with them and uh, I don't take that stuff for granted. I, I'm very honored when someone, you know, says, hey, will you come up and play with me? I'm yeah. like, wow, are you kidding me? Uh, heck yeah. Um, but I want to make sure I deliver. It's their show. Right, right, I'm just, right. I'm just a tournament at the moment, you know, but I want to make sure that I deliver. So I, I prep, prep, prep all the time, you know, weeks in advance. It, it might be different for different people, but that's what I yeah, well, I think that's one of the reasons why it, it shows up in your music that you put that time and that effort in. So let's go ahead and take a listen to one of your songs. This is Rob's In with All In.
right, everybody. We just heard Rob Zen, our guest today, with his song "All In." So, so Rob, when did you know that you wanted to be a professional musician? <laughs> I loved music growing up. Uh huh. When I was in a lot of bands, and it, it, you know, it came easy for me. I was perennial all-state um, solo chair, jazz oh, wow. chair, and. Uh, in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And, you know, I was from a small state in Delaware, so I don't know really how much that actually says, quite honestly. But um, I really enjoyed it. But, however, I was not, I did not pursue music as a profession. Okay. I went in and I got an accounting degree and a language degree and computers and all that stuff. And I I continued to play music for fun in all these different things that you talked about. But never, I mean, I guess semi-professionally. It was only about six, seven years ago when I started saying to my friends, like, oh, I think I want to try this. You know, I think I can do this. I want to try. I don't know how far I'll get. I have no idea if I'm even good enough, mm-hmm. but I, I want to try. So I started asking people for advice and trying to learn and all that. And I started buying some things and try, trying to write, which I didn't know what I was doing. Uh-huh. Cause I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a theory background. I'm not a school, you know, musician, if you will. So uh, it was, it was really difficult. So honestly, it wasn't until about six, years ago maybe huh. maybe seven where i decided to take the plunge and and i would say you know become a national artist you know uh-huh. whatever that means um you know i moved beyond you know just playing all the local gigs to you know literally traveling around the country um you know and playing different shows and venues and festivals and doing all those shows with paul was really cool yeah and that's when it really hit me it's like oh my not only did i really enjoy it but carl honestly man I kind of felt this is what I'm supposed to do in my life. Yeah. You know, I was an IT professional and, you know, consulting and doing all that stuff. And don't get me wrong. I loved it. I was good at it, but this is my passion. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I'm so glad I started. And I tell you, I've, I I talked to people who are maybe considering a career change like late in their life. And I'm like, you know what? Go for it. I mean, it's a, it's a cliche, but it's like, you know, I am so happy I did this and I don't know where I'm going to end up. And it really doesn't matter at this point. I've already achieved more success than I ever dreamed I could. Yeah. It's exciting. And I go back and, and my friends, they always tell me this and it's really funny. It's kind of gets me emotional. It's like, Rob, I remember when you were talking about this, you know, uh-huh. you know, I was chirping about it. Like, Oh yeah, I want to do all these things. And it's like, but you went out and did it. They're like so proud. You know, I know I've got, look, I know I've got a long way to go. You know, you never, you never stop, you know, you climbing that ladder, whatever yeah. that is, you, you know, hopefully just, you know, keep climbing and climbing, but they see me as successful. And, you know, that really makes me feel so good, but also keep rooted to my, keep, keep, um, keep rooted to my humility. It's important. You know, um, there's always going to be guys better than you and you're always going to be better than some guys. It doesn't really matter. You just keep, you do what's best for you. You just go out and, 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 and define success and achieve it, you know, for yourself, for whatever motivates you or inspires you. You know, that's what's important. It's not about, you know, the other guy or yeah. the other people, you know, uh, it really isn't, you know, so um, I'm just so excited to be on this journey past six years. You you can't imagine, you know, I used to, like I said, I used to play along to Rick and Richard uh-huh. you know, in my room, literally, you know, uh-huh. I'm that guy, you know, and uh, about three years ago, um, I was at Spagatini's for uh, an all-star jam and, okay. and, and who's, to my, who's to my right is Rick Braun and who's to my left, Richard Elliott. Wow. <laughs> Wow. So that was that moment for me. I'm like, holy, you know what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Rick and Richard, I'm like, wow, I went from, you know, playing to their, you know, R&R and, you know, and all those great songs and Rick and Boney back in the day to actually stand in between these two, you know, icons of contemporary jazz. And it was like a moment for me. And uh, it was just really cool. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt like, not that I've arrived because I didn't at that moment, but I'm feeling more and more comfortable you know, being on stage with these guys I looked up to for so many years. Yeah. So um, I hope that I can inspire others like they inspired me. So it's about six years ago. That's yeah. when I started. Well, I'll tell you, you, I think you, you've inspired people with some of what you just said here a moment ago. And that is the fact that, you know, a lot of times people dream about doing things that are different than what their reality is at that point in time. But yeah. a lot, few people actually step out and do it. And it takes a whole lot of courage to say, you know what? I'm going to give this everything I got and I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I, you know, I experienced the same thing when I, I spent my career in advertising and then I decided, you know what, 
we're going to, we're going to start a jazz festival and we're going to promote a jazz festival. And I had never done it before. And, but I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I have friends say similar things to me, like, wow, you, you talked about it and you actually did it. And, and that's sometimes an amazing thing because I think it's hard for people to follow your dreams. And I'm a big believer that if you follow your passion, all the other stuff comes, you know, if you're following your path, because when it's your passion, it's not really work, right? It's, it's you doing what you love to do. Well, that's true, but you, there's no shortcuts as you know. And yep. Yeah. You, you got to put the time in because um, yeah, I mean, to truly be on the level with, or at least be considered on the level with others. Yeah. You know, you have, your product has to be, you know, quality mm-hmm. and there's some things I can control. I can control, you know, how I play, the notes I play, the sound yes. of my horn, and I can control the, you know, the music and all that kind of stuff and the production. That's very important. But what I can control is how people will be, will receive my music, whether they'll like my song, whether they'll like what I played, whether they'll even, you know, like anything about it. All I can do is just be true to myself as an artist, Yeah. put out the best material I can possibly put out. And, um, and just, this is a Rob's in song and hopefully people like it. And, you know, that's part of it, but yeah, there's a, there's a, it's a, it's a it, there is a lot of work, but yeah. I, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you have a passion and, um, and you're starting to fulfill some of those dreams that you had, there's a term I use and I, I don't, I know I didn't create it, but it, I, 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 I like to say, dream it, believe it, create it, live it. Yeah. So you got to dream it first, which is what I did six, seven years ago. Yeah. And then I started, you know, believing in it and you know, oh gosh, I think maybe I can do this. Yeah. And then I got from that to starting to create it, which is I'm, you know, you're always creating it, but I'm certainly right in the middle of that right now, creating right. that type of thing with the various festivals and shows I'm starting to do. And I'm starting to live it slowly, but surely starting to live it. Yeah. And so for you. I can't ask for more than that. I'm telling you, I just feel blessed every single day. I wake up going, wow, I'm just, this is what an awesome life. <laughs> you're, you're, it sounds like I mean, you're living your best life, man. I'm having fun. So in all that work that you put in, all that effort that you put in to create music, are there parts of the process of making music that you love more than other parts? Are there parts that are, are, are more of a challenge or more inspiring? When you sit down, when a person sits down to write music, and everyone does it differently, mm-hmm. um, I get songs running through my head all the time. And I've talked to some other artists, and that's not unique to me. And I've talked to a few, and, and I've even done this too. And I'm sure, I, again, I'm not unique to this. I will, if I wake up and something's in my mind, I will literally sing the melody into my phone. And, you know, okay. most times it doesn't go anywhere, but I have all these little voice recordings that will, you know, will never be heard by anyone but me. <laughs> and sometimes they translate into something that's maybe meaningful. Maybe it's a hook, maybe it's a melody, I don't know. But when I first started this process, I was very focused just myself. In other words, I'm going to write this song and it's going to be all me. And I quickly learned that that's rather short-sighted. Yeah. So I have been working. My first album was like that. And, you know, while I'm proud of it and I think there's some good moments on it, I learned a lot with working with Paul. He's like, you know, co-writing with some monsters of music. You know, I've been working with Tom Schumann co-writing songs. I've been working with Mm -hmm. Roberto Valley co-writing songs. I've been working with... Paul Brown writing songs, yeah. Adam Harley writing songs, Greg Manning writing songs, Andrew New writing songs. These guys, and there are others, I'm sure, um, these guys are, um, I consider when you collaborate with something, it's just going to be stronger. You know, it's going to be stronger. So, you know, they inspire me. So that process is a lot of fun, not without challenges. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's my name on the, uh, <clears throat> on the song and it's my name on the album. So you know, I got to make sure it represents me. But I enjoy that process of it, of taking these concepts, you know, maybe something I sang into a phone or maybe little melodies I write. I have a digital audio workspace, probably like just about everyone else. And I do a lot of work with Pro Tools and I go in there and I write, I do my full functioning demos on Pro Tools and I'll send it Mm -hmm. to Paul and, you know, Roberto and other cats. And then guys like Tom Schumann will come in, you know, the great keyboard player from Spyro Gyro will come in and he takes what I wrote, believe me, and he elevates it significantly you know, my baseline, you know, Roberto takes that and he makes it way better. So uh, I, I expect that to happen. So I tell you, that's really cool when you give someone your demo yeah, and it's, I don't know, down, you know, somewhere, you know, the bar is real low. It's the demo. And then it starts going through the process of these guys getting a hold of it and just making you hump to life. I tell you, that's exciting. Yeah. That is so exciting. That's, that's like one of the most wonderful things about this entire process. 
Good, 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 good. Well, let's listen to some more of your music. How about we go ahead and play Take That? This is Rob Zen. folks we just heard today's guest rob's in with his tune take that so rob on every one of our shows we do this segment that we call bout it or doubt it if you're about it it's something you like if you doubt it it's something you just aren't quite feeling are you interested in playing i'll give it a shot i hope i won't embarrass myself no you won't (laughs) let's do it get him up I mean you body body. 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 I I doubt it. 
All right. So, Rob, we're going to spin the wheel and we're going to get you a category. And then we're going to ask you a couple about it or doubt it questions. All right. About it or doubt it category for you today, Rob, is science and technology. All right. About it or doubt it, electric vehicles. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. About it. I'm yeah. about it. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've been pretty amazed at how many vehicle companies are committing to, to EVs and then how just how much like like they're doing a really good des- a good job with designing these EVs these these days you know like you know obviously Tesla was at the forefront but boy I gotta tell you some of these other EVs I see on the roads now or see photos of it's like wow those are some of the nicest looking cars that I ever I've ever seen yeah for sure yeah anything that helps the environment so another environmentally yep. related question for you rob in science and technology climate change about it or doubt it i am about it yeah i definitely am about it you know it, it actually concerns me it's it's hard because there's there's different viewpoints but uh I, I just think common in me common sense should prevail in this and you know there's only so i mean it's i, I think it's obvious that, you know, you know, the human race is, is affecting, you know, um, you know, our atmosphere and, yeah. and, uh, and climate change. I, I, you know, I don't know if the numbers necessarily, you know, you can find numbers on both sides to, you know, to say yes and to say no. Right. But I just think sense says that we've got to be very aware of this. So, yes, I'm about it for yeah. sure. Yeah. I got to tell you, my, my wife and I were recently out in Napa Valley and we had a really unique experience where we had a chance to visit a vineyard, just the two of us, a very um, a, a wonderful winery there. And one of the owners took us on his ATV and they were up on a mountain about 2000 feet up and they took us on their ATV and they showed us the impact of the fires in California on their ability to farm their land. Right. And I also, it was it, that trip we just took was probably our first time in California in probably about four or five years. And I was really struck at, by how brown things were in comparison to what they were like four or five years ago when we, when we had been okay. there previously. Between things like that, and I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I tell you, it's October, and we've had a string of 70-plus degree days in October here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which used to never happen. Yeah. You know, I think climate change is, you know, is is you're, I'm, I'm about it all day long, too, and you're right. Like it's, we get the, we get, we get one chance to, to take care of this earth that we have. Right. And I think we, as, as individuals, if we can all do a small part, it will go a long way. I, I recall even after maybe the first six, six months or so of COVID, the news reports about how they saw reversals in climate activity to the positive, right? Because we yes. weren't out um, doing things in the environment. So so yeah, I'm definitely with that. you on yep. that one. I'm definitely with you. So you're working on, I understand you're working on a new LP and you're working with Paul again and Greg Manning and Adam Hawley. How's that project coming for you? It's coming great. It's exciting. I, before COVID, it's like before COVID, after COVID, but before COVID, I uh, had done one song with Paul in, in the fall. It's obviously years ago. Uh-huh. And then when I was out there for Nam, I got together with Adam and, and cut two songs. And I got together with Greg and cut one song. So I you know, effectively had four done. And then I did two. I actually, would ris- I'm originally from Delaware. So I did two other songs with a great producer named John Cassidy in Wilmington, okay. Delaware. And um, he's incredible. So I did two songs there, probably now, two and a half years ago. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just hard to imagine what's happened since, you know, Anyway, yeah. So, um, and then I just kind of put everything on hold because I can't go to California, and yeah, and um, I don't want to um, drop an album in the middle of COVID. So I kind of, I just kind of put everything on hold. But I started working with some other producers. As you know, I say I just can't stop. You know, life goes on. So yeah. I started and I did several more songs, essentially remotely. Okay, you know, that's what we did. You know, you do the you write the song, you send it out. There's no, I've got I'm recording in my studio, so I'm finishing up on my eighth song okay. right now it's final mixing and then um i will be going to atlanta to work with a very well-known producer in about in less than three weeks all right and i'll be working with him 
and that'll be song number nine. And then I've, I'm also will be working on song number 10 uh, with another producer in the Detroit area. He's, okay. he's, he's pretty well known too. So I love working with different producers. So now that things are starting to change and the world is coming back around and I say that carefully, yeah, um, it's time to um, drop an album in 2022. So it will have been four years. Yeah, I look back and I can't believe it's been four years, but you know, we all understand. So yeah. Um, you know, first quarter, maybe early second quarter. It depends on a couple of variables, but I am so excited. This album, I think, is um, is is a representation of who I am as an artist, and you know, working with all those incredible producers, Paul, Adam, Greg, yeah, and 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 you know, Roberto and and others, which I don't want to mention right now because they're they're uh, you know, it's still I haven't worked with them just yet, so. Mm-hmm. I'm just really excited. My manager, uh, Gina McCain, she's really excited by the album. She thinks it's great. She's awesome. so happy about it. And of course, you know, she manages my career. So it's very important that Gina likes, you know, yeah. what I'm doing. You know, I, I value her opinion greatly because, you know, she is my manager. So uh, she's pretty excited and um, it's got a lot of cool things on there. Um, awesome. I've even got a, I've got, I got a, I'm not going to tell you what song it is, but I'm doing a song that was uh, uh, recorded and written by the great artist named Seal. Oh, wow. So I, I put a super contemporary um, spin on that. Uh, I work with uh, the producer, John Cassidy in Wilmington, Delaware. I'm telling you, this song is hot. I can't believe it. It's so modern. It's so cool. And everyone will recognize it. And I'm like, I can't wait to, to get it out there in the public because it's really, really hip. Uh, I'm going to try to try to get Seal to comment on it. You know, maybe that's kind of that would know, be cool. Big thinking, but what the heck? <laughs> you got to go for it, right? Well, everybody, you heard it here. Early early 2022, some new yep. stuff dropping from Rob's in. We, we're excited about it. Can't wait to hear it. It's always, you know, I love getting new music from artists. It's kind of like... Uh, it, it's like it, it feels for me like Christmas morning used to feel when I was a kid. Right. You know? and, <laughs> and I've been fortunate enough to get some advanced advanced copies of some artists work before it drops. And I'm kind of like, oh, wow, this is so cool. You know, so we can't we can't wait to hear it, Rob. We can't wait to hear it. So well, to put it, I'll have to make sure I get your I have your contact stuff. I'll make sure you get a copy. Man. That's cool. I, awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. So when you're not making music, what are some of the things that you like to do with your time? I recently moved to Florida from cold Delaware. Okay. And I tell you, I feel like I'm on vacation every day. I love it down <laughs> here. I love water. I'm a certified scuba diver. I've wow. been diving for 30 years. Um, I love boating. And um, I now have a pool. I never had a pool before. So just being like what I call outdoor living. Yeah. There's a lot of music down here. I don't play locally, you know. People, all my friends are saying, when am I going to see a concert around here? I was like, well, there's really no place right at the moment for me to play, but I'm working uh-huh. on that, you know, one of the larger venues, but we'll see. I just love, I mean, this is another cliche, man, but I, I just, you know, wake up every day and try to live life to the fullest, you yeah. know, try to let any negativity flow off because we all have it. Yeah. You know, things happen during the day. It's like, oh, but you know, I wait, I just feel, I mean, I swear to God, I feel blessed every day. I look outside and I have palm trees and the sun shines every day and I'm going, wow, I'm just so fortunate. But, you know, I also think that people have to, they have to create what they want. Yes. You know, I've created this life, you know. Yeah. I, I set intentions to do this. You know, you can talk to my friends years ago. I was like, I set intentions to buy this house and move to Florida. And I yeah. did it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I left, you know, a place for all those years. I left all my music connections behind, all my local connections, all the bands I was in. And I, I miss that. Yeah. But, you know, it's a new life, a new chapter. My son lives down here. My sister lives down here. Okay. So, you know, so what am I doing? Yeah, lots of house projects, you know, I'm working on a lot of music, practicing, always getting better, um, yeah. working on my wardrobe, which I just did recently, um, you know, getting my, you know, all this, all the work that goes in people. Ha- I don't think people understand what it takes, you know, other than an artist, you know, what it takes to drop an album. Yeah, there are yeah. videos, there are photo shoots, yeah. there are copyright, there's, there's um, public, there's, you know, publicity, there's. Um, getting your website stuff going on. No there's uh, all the radio guys. All there's a, a ton of things you have to do. Yeah. Um, to draw, you know, the radio promotion, um, all the different peripheral things, um, the advancement. So there's a lot of stuff to do just for singles and the full album. So there's a lot of work. I'll be quite busy from now until when the album drops. So. Yeah, I think you raise a great point that I I I, I know I, I don't think a lot of people and I could go back to my experience before I got into the business. I didn't understand what it took for someone to just be on stage for that 
60 or 75 minute set, right? I didn't understand what all went into that. I didn't understand the the business side of the business. I didn't understand the all the things you talked about, right? You got your manager and you got your promotions people and you got your wardrobe and you got, you know, your um your sponsors, if you got instrument sponsors and all those things that you have to deal with and oh by the way, I have to put in a whole lot of time every day to be good at this craft, just my time practicing. Right. And so I think you're right. People don't really understand that, you know, behind that 60 or 75 minutes, minutes set, (laughs) there's hours and days and months and weeks of, of, of work to get there. Carl, that's exactly right. There's, there certainly is. And it's, uh, and um, someone asked me one time recently, because it's really, it's really a good point. And uh, it made me smile from ear to ear. Someone said, like, okay, so let me get this right. You know, you prep all this music and you're writing all these charts at it and then you're practicing every night. And then you, you, you jump on a plane and you go wherever. Yeah. And you get picked up at the airport and you go to the hotel and then you hang out there. And the next day you go and practice with the band and then you do a 75-minute show. And then you reverse it and you, you go back to the hotel and go back home. And, you know, is that worth it? I said every every bit of it. I mean, yeah. it's it's beyond words. Like, I never even thought that it wasn't. But it was an interesting thing that this person said that because everything they said was exactly true. All that you go into, all that preparation and travel and and you know sitting at the airport and all that stuff that people yeah. might go, oh, I can't believe I got to do this. I'm like so excited. You know, yeah. I love it for that sixty to seventy five minutes. Absolutely worth it. It's not even. It doesn't even cross my mind that it never was. It, mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited. And um, I, you said something that I, I, I probably would get skewered if I didn't say this. Early on in my career, um, you know, I was looking for, uh, you know, endorsements. I was looking uh-huh. for, you know, to work on my brand. My, I am the brand. So uh, um, I'm happy to say that, you know, um, um, uh, Dakota Sax and Fate and Trumpets. Um, that company um, endorsed me. Great, um, and they have a lot of great artists um, on their roster, and I'm very yeah. proud um, to be on that roster as well. So, you know, big huge shout out to Fate and Trumpets. You know, I go to Nam every year, and I um I work the booth with them, and I'm uh-huh. very proud and honored to to play their instruments, and I love their instruments. I play their trumpet exclusively in jazz. You know, in my jazz on my recordings and in my shows, it's, it's Fate and Trumpet. Okay. And uh, I use a Carol Brass flugelhorn, but I use a Fade and Trumpet for all my recordings and all my live shows. And um, I'm very proud to be endorsed by them. And I, I sometimes forget because it's been a number of years, but uh, yeah, you brought it up. It's like, uh, you know, what an idiot I was not mentioning, um, you know, how much uh, I appreciate them yeah. and taking the chance and endorsing me and uh, being, I'm some of the print ads and different things and, uh, and, and representing them at NAM. It's a lot of fun. A yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. So you, in addition, you just mentioned too, you've mentioned a couple of times of the flugelhorn, you, you, you're a flugelhorn uh, player as well. And that's not that common of an instrument in, you know, certainly in the smooth jazz realm. How did you come to incorporate that instrument? Oh, Carl, I love that horn. I, I, uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit when I was, pretty young i saw chuck mangione play yeah and i thought that was like wow what is that instrument you know i learned what that was and then in 10th grade i um i tried out for the um you know the all-state jazz band and i i i was lucky enough to get solo chair that particular the per the 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 person who was who was the um, guest conductor was a guy named hank levy and probably a lot of people don't know who hank levy is but what he did was wrote a lot of music for uh who was it uh oh my gosh um super well-known band stan kenton band stan kenton band back in the day and a lot of the feature of flugelhorn and sax and flugelhorn and trombone and flugelhorn by itself so literally since i was solo chair playing all this hank levy music i had to go out and get a flugelhorn like literally within (laughs) months so i did and um so i that's how i learned how to play flugelhorn and it was used a lot you know during that show and then it's just always been a part. It's like, um, <clears throat> it's a beautifully sounding horn. It's a yeah. deeper, more overtones. And um, it's just, it's just not as shrill to the ear as a trumpet can be. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have Seth Baker's tone. I wish I did, man. Yeah. But I don't. So I try to, get, you know, I try to, you know, certain like take that as a very aggressive song. That's a trumpet song, you know, yeah. in your face, very aggressive walk to walk trumpet song. But I, most of my stuff, you know, wherever you are, um amante my new song that's coming out uh a lot of my material um is is flugelhorn because it's just not as abrasive 
to the ear and I just love playing it. It's, um, I just totally love it. So it's a, it's a big part of my shows, at least 50, 60% of my songs I'll be playing on flugelhorn. Yeah. And you know, if you come to a Rob's in live show, you're going to hear that Chuck Mangione song that everyone knows. All right. It's part of my songs as part of my set list. So I, I love, you know, kind of honoring Chuck and playing that song and people just love it. They just, yeah. they, everyone recognizes it. Oh it yeah. Was a crossover hit for Chuck. And uh, it's just really cool. So I, I play that at all my live shows. That's so. fantastic. Well, we're going to treat people to a little bit of that, of that, that horn. Um, here's Rob's in again with wherever you are.
right, folks, that was our guest, Rob Zins, wherever you are. So, Rob, do you remember the first concert you went to see and who it was? It was one of two people, and I can't remember exactly. It was either Chuck Mangione mm-hmm. or it was Maynard Ferguson. Okay. They were the, probably the first two, and I was in middle school. I was really young, and I just remember I, I remember the concerts. I, I can't I just remember the concerts, you know, those guys used to come around to like high schools back in the day, yeah. and, um, you know, being in the jazz band, I had a great jazz band director and he was really, you know, encouraging. He's like, Oh, don't forget, you know, as, as a young kid, you don't really know these things are happening. So he would say, Hey, you know, so-and-so is coming. I also got to see Stan Kenton when I was in junior high and that okay. was pretty cool. So, um, but you know, definitely, you know, as from an inspiration, like I said before, you know, Chuck Mangione and Maynard Ferguson, like, I mean, you know, I'm a trumpet player. What trumpet player didn't want to, <laughs> you know, play like Maynard Ferguson, you right. know, especially all those high notes. And then like, you'd go to these concerts and the music was just like, oh my gosh, and just the trumpet section and Maynard could play. And, you know, yeah. people, I think people lose sight of the fact that, you know, back in the fifties and sixties, that guy could bebop and he could play, he's playing stuff that people weren't doing him and Cat Anderson, you know? Yeah. And uh, Harry James, you know, they were doing stuff, you know, that others really weren't. It wasn't really part of how the music was played back then. Yeah, there's some knockoffs, you know. Um, but anyway, I mean, you know, other people doing it, but uh, definitely inspire, inspirational. And then I started to get into, like, you know, Tom Scott and the, mm-hmm. and the Wrecker Brothers and Tower Power and all that, you know, that yeah. super cool punk stuff. And, um, you know, so I saw the Tower Power a few times. And, but, yeah, I'd say the first concert was probably Maynard Ferguson. You know, oh. it was probably a young pop. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yeah, it's 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 cool to think back to those days. Uh, I like you. My first two, con- I know what my first two concerts were, but I can't remember which one was first and which one was second. You know, it's funny how those things kind of blend together. So, what were they for you? Can I ask? Yeah, absolutely, you can. So it was either it was a uh, Sugar Hill Gang with Rick James. Or it was uh-huh. the Mothership Connection tour, Parliament Funkadelic. It was oh, one. Of, one I don't remember which one was first, but they were. I was. Uh, I think I would have been maybe a, a freshman or a sophomore in high school. That's really cool. Uh, was a couple of years ago, I was on to a jam, a jab, a jam after party, and um, where was it? The Dauphin County and all that. So I went and I went backstage, man, and uh, I was uh, pretty intimidated. I was kind of speechless. I was just like a fly on the wall. But the Sugar Hill Gang guys were there. Cool. And I can't, I'm sorry. I can't remember the names right off the top of my head. I wasn't prepared for it, but they're like, I was talking to my, my musical brothers back there and, uh-huh. and they knew them. And I'm like, I, I, w- I just kept my mouth shut. But I'm like, I felt like I was in, I don't know, around royalty, <laughs> man. I'm uh-huh. like, uh-huh. crap. So I, they were like, yeah, we're, they arrived in the big, the big stretch limo and they were jetting <laughs> off to Dubai. Like the next day, I, wow. I kid you not, they were heading out all over the world. And I'm like, wow, these cats are for real. I couldn't believe it. I, I just was in awe. I didn't, I didn't want to sound like a stupid fan backstage. So I just kept my mouth <laughs> shut and just listened to the stories. And yeah, it was a backstage hangs were cool, but yeah, the sugar hole game. I was, it was pretty cool. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember that being a fan- fantastic show. So yeah. So, okay. So I'm, I'm going to, I got a couple questions for you that I love to ask, ask our guests. Um, one of them is, can you tell us your, your three favorite albums of all time? I'm going to surprise you a little bit okay. um, because uh, I, I love all kinds of style of music. Yeah. So I'm going to say like um, Tower Powers, the, the, the Red Album, like I think it was called Live in Color or something like that. Okay. Just because it really, really influenced me as a young person. Um, you know, from an influence point of view, it's like I really listened to that album a lot and um, it really got me into playing that kind of music or at least trying to play that kind of music. So I really, really like that. I'm a huge Chicago fan. Yeah. Huge Chicago fan, man, man. I love it, love it, love it. So it's hard for me to pick one Chicago album. Uh-huh. Maybe Chicago 3, maybe Chicago 7. But, you know, those albums just probably Chicago 7. Not 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 so much because of the material on it, just because that was like during a period of my life where I was really getting to become more of a serious player. Okay. Sort of like, you know, and that, that was an album that became um, part of my, you know, listening quite a bit. And, um, and I'm going to say maybe MF, you know, no, the, the album Chameleon by Maynard Ferguson. You okay. know, um, there's a lot, but it's hard to pick just three, but you know, I listen to that, you know, Chameleon a lot. I listened to, uh, you know, that red album, you know, the live in color, I think it was called by tower power. I actually have an autograph by all the guys. I took oh, cool. that album to a concert and got them the autograph. Which That's cool. cool. 
Yeah, and, and, and it's got to be a Chicago album because I, I just love Chicago. Yeah, so it, yeah. Know, I'll go with Chicago 7, but it's pretty hard to narrow it down to three. I it is hard. It is hard. Said, all in all by, I love All in All by uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You mm-hmm. know, Gratitude, Earth, Wind, and Fire. I used to listen to those records all the time. Yep. You know, I'm a silly <laughs> band fan, you know, can't buy a thrill. Uh-huh. So it's locked, but... uh. Yeah, great question. Man. Yeah, yeah. Not easy to answer. It's not. And I tell you, it's so it's such a cool question for me to ask because it really gives me a peek inside of the artist, you know, and what drives them. Like Chicago is one that, you know, that's a that's a band that I think while they I don't think they got the due that they were deserving of, you know? Um, really, really good band. I still remember watching them be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that was a really cool experience to see that. But they made some really good music. I have to, I have to agree. And see now, and one of the things that this does with, for me when I ask this question, it makes me want to go home or get in the car and listen to somebody. So I think Chicago's <laughs> going to be on my listening list really soon here. Awesome. <laughs> so, so another question I love to ask is that. If you can invite, you can invite any any three people in the world, living or deceased, to a dinner party. Who's coming to Rob Zinn's dinner party? Well, my mom and dad. Yeah, because I want to talk to them. I want them to um to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. My parents were huge supporters. I get emotional. Uh-huh. They were huge supporters of my music. My dad's been gone fourteen years. My mom thirteen. So they haven't seen this journey yeah. I'm on. Yeah. And I wish they could. So um, I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of famous people, but boy, I certainly want one more day with my mom and dad would be yeah. um, pretty darn special. Yeah, that's awesome. And then next, and this is pretty funny, uh, <laughs> I'd probably want Miles Davis there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a wild dude. Uh, he'd probably, you know, say some stuff that would be pretty uh, controversial. But I, I respected Miles for what he did and for being an individual and being himself. You know, I think he, I think he had, um, he had visions that other people didn't have. So um, I got to see him play once, but I think, yeah. I think miles, I don't know. Miles was just his own man. Yeah. he was. And uh, I respected him a lot. Um, it's pretty tough. I could have picked a lot of different people, but uh, I don't know. Something about miles just always intrigued me, but you know, number one and two on my list is my mother and father. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, man. That's fantastic, Rob. Um, I know how you feel because I, I, I do this because of, uh, because of the legacy of my mother and father too. And so I know how you feel. And that's, that's a great list, man. That's a great list. So I want to thank you, man, for taking a little time to chop it up with us today, to share your music with us, to share your thoughts with us. We've really enjoyed having you on the show and we're looking forward to that new music in 2022 and seeing you out on the road. I understand you and, uh, and Tony Exum Jr. are going to be out doing some dates pretty soon, too. So everybody, get your tickets and, and go check them out. It's going to be a good thing. So, Rob, all the best to you, man. We wish you nothing but continued success. Thank you very much, Carl. My pleasure entirely today. This means so much to me. I appreciate your time and Suzanne Stein as a producer and all that. And keep doing what you're doing. We need a thousand people like you. So, uh, you know, your festival is awesome. You know, maybe someday I'll be able to attend it. We absolutely, perform, but no matter what happens, man, keep on rising. Cause that's really, really important. And don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. So keep rising, brother. I appreciate, I appreciate that, man. You, Carl. Thank you for of the course. words of encouragement, man. All right, thank everybody. You. Well, that's our show today. I want to take a moment to thank our original and ongoing sponsor of the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, Laffy Leitner and Good. LLG is Milwaukee's premier civil litigation firm with a national reputation for big firm results for its clients. Their relentless commitment to clients is in the courtroom is matched only by their authentic and consistent commitment to their Milwaukee home thanks llg for supporting fresh coast jazz that's our show for this week be sure to check out our website freshcoastjazz.com to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz we'll see you next time on fresh coast jazz backstage 